I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hello, uh, and welcome to the Leaves of Glen Mansion. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. This is where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. This week, we're going to continue to read Peter Pan by J.M. Barry. Want to hear about the author? Of course you do. You're not a moron. Born May 1860 and died the 19th of June, 1937. He was a Scottish novelist and pray, uh, playwright. I could say that. Best remembered at the, as the creator of Peter Pan. Born and educated in Scotland before moving to London, he wrote a number of successful novels and plays. Yeah, yeah. And there he met the Llewellyn Davies boys, who inspired him to write about a baby boy who has had magical adventures in Kensington Gardens, which led him to write Peter Pan, or The Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up, 1904. Although uh, he continued to write successfully, Peter Pan overshadowed his other work and is credited with popularizing the name Wendy for some reason. Apparently it was a crap name before. Apparently it's a name that you only gave to a kid you hate. But he made it cool again. Barry unofficially adopted the Davies boys following the deaths of their parents, and Barry was made a baronet by George V and a member of the Order of Merit. Before his death, he gave the rights to Peter Pan's uh, works to the Great Ormond Street Hospital for Children in London, which continues to benefit them uh, only since 2008, thanks to Disney, finally getting their act together and doing the bare minimum to I hate Disney. And it's super cute what he did for those little boys, scooping them up when their parents died. Uh, fun facts... Well, uh, the original productions uh, pioneered new stage effects. In the original stage productions, Tinker Bell was a dot of light that moved about the stage, focused by a mirror. Uh, in, in, in the production, other productions, uh, Tinker Bell is a beautiful puppet, uh, a, a regular puppet maker uh, that works with Jim Henson. Sue Decker uh, has made one, and Sue also made uh, some spectacular flying puppets who soar over an audience. Uh, the first Wendy house appeared on the stage in 1904. J.M. Barry needed a house that could be quickly built as these lyrics were sang. I wish I had a darling house, the littlest ever seen, with a funny little red walls and a roof of mossy green. These fun facts blow. Peter Pan didn't wear uh, all green. Eh. That's partly a Disney innovation. Uh, in the original stage productions, he was said to wear auburns, huh? Hmm. Oh, and, and tans, yeah, and, and perhaps some browns and cobwebs. To keep with uh, time period, uh, Peter Pan wears leather jacket uh, to look not too far from the young James Dean. Apparently, they're pushing their own version, like the Guardian, as their own version. And boy, they're really pushing it. Captain Hook went to Eton. In the original play, Hook's last words are. Florit Itona, the Eton motto. 
In a lecture about the character, J.M. Barry confirmed his attendance at the school, and Captain Hook also knew Long John Silver. Despite being a different novels by different authors, it seems that Hook and Silver cross paths. J.M. Barry and uh, Treasure Island author Robert Louis Stevenson were contemporaries, and they knew each other, hence the crossover. I'd like to personally apologize to my listeners for these crap, fun tidbits. Let's see if the next one's any better. Uh... To die will be an awfully big adventure. These famous lines were cut during productions of the show, which occurred during the First World War. Uh, they were also paraphrased by Charles Froman, the original producer of the stage version of Peter Pan. They were his last words as he turned down a lifeboat seat at the RMS Lusitania that uh, was sunk by a German U-boat. Oh, he actually said that when his boat was sinking? Oh, Wow. There's like some nice people involved in this story. This completely nonsensical story that I can't figure out has really nice people surrounding him. J.M. Barry always wished to see a boy play Peter on stage, though he never lived to see it occur. Originally born out of the theatrical tradition of women playing young boys, it seems his tradition has stuck around for Peter Pan especially in uh, most panto versions. It's also traditional to have the same actor playing Hook and Mr. Tarling, which is the case uh, in our production at Polka. Will they stop pushing their production of Peter Pan? Nobody cares. J.M. Barry gave all the rights to Peter Pan to the Great Ormond Street Hospital. Okay, well, this is a turd fest. Uh, well, let's just get into the story and uh, try to pretend like this never happened. Like we should recap what happened in the previous chapter, but I really have no no flipping idea. The dog's a nurse that watches the kids, and uh, the dad tried to tr- get the kids to eat their medicine was kind of the focus of most of this. Uh, next thing you know, everyone's drinking medicine, and they give it to the dog, too. Uh, basically, everyone's poisoning each other uh, for kicks. And then they uh, talk about the shadow for a while and how weird, like, now not weird how normal it is to have a physical shadow that you can drape over your window. Everything about this book's driving me crazy. Uh, chapter three. Come away, come away. For a moment, after Mr. and Mrs. Darling left the house, the nightlights by the beds of the three children continued to burn clearly. Ah, oh, they were awfully nice little nightlights, eh? and one cannot help wishing that they could have uh, kept awake to see Peter. But Wendy's light blinked and gave such a yawn that the other two yawned also. And before they could close their mouths, all three went out. There was another light in the room, now oh, a thousand times brighter than the night lights. And in the time that we have taken to say this, it's been in all the drawers of the nursery, looking, verp, for Peter's shadow. Oh, they're going back for it. No shadow left behind. Uh, rummaged in the wardrobe and turned every pocket inside out. It was not really a, a, a light. I made this light by flashing about so quickly, but when it came to rest for a second, you saw it was a fairy. No longer than your hand, but still growing. It was a girl. A girl called Tinkerbell. Exquisitely gowned in a skeleton leaf cut low at square. Uh, though with your figure, that could be seen uh, to, the, to the best advantage. She was slightly inclined uh, to Ibon Point. Embon Point. Well, now I get to look that up thanks to using a Kindle. What's an Embon Point? Come on, Kindle. Tell me what it is. 
an M-bomb point, the plump and fleshy part of a person's body, in particular, a woman's bosom. Oh, they sexualized Tinkerbell. This is a children's story, for God's sakes. A moment after the fairy's entrance, the window was blown open by the breathing of the little stars. And Peter dropped in. Yeah, he had carried Tinkerbell's part of the uh, way, and, and his hand was still messy with fairy dust. Would she pee on him? Uh, Tinkerbell, yeah, he called softly after making sure that the children were asleep. Tink, yeah? Where are you? She was in a jug for the moment and liking it extremely. Oh, she had never been in a jug before. This story makes no sense. Oh, come on, come on, jug. Tell me, do you know where they put my shadow? The loveliest tinkle, as of golden bells, answered him. It is the fairy's language. You, eh, ordinary children have never heard it. Uh, But if you were to hear it, you would know that you had heard it once before. Tink! said that the shadow was in the big box and she meant the chest of drawers and uh, Peter jumped in the drawers, scattered the contents on the floor with both hands and uh, this king's toss happens uh, to the crowd. Uh, In a moment, he had recovered his shadow and uh, his delight, he forgot that he had shut Tinkerbell up in the drawer. Uh, If he thought at all, uh, but I don't believe he ever thought, it was that he had his his shadow and it brought near each other. They would join like drops of water Uh, and when they did, he was... uh, uh, he was appalled. Oh, he tried to stick it on with soap from the bathroom, but it also failed. The shutter passed through Peter as he sat on the floor, and he cried. His sobs woke Wendy, eh, and she sat up in bed. Oh, she was not alarmed to see a stranger crying on the nursery floor. She was only pleasantly interested. Boy, yeah, she said courteously, why are you crying? Peter could be exceedingly polite also, having learned the grand matter at fairy ceremonies, and, and, and he rose and bowed to her beautifully. She was much pleased, yeah, uh, bowed beautifully in front of him in the bed. Uh, what's, uh, what's your name, he asked. Uh, Wendy Mora Angela Darling. <coughs> she replied with some satisfaction. Uh, what is your name? Hmm. Peter Pan. <laughs> she was already sure that he must be Peter, but it did seem comparatively short name. Is that all? Yes, he said rather sharply. He uh, he felt for the first time that it was such a shortish name. I'm so sorry, said Wendy Moria Angela. That nah, doesn't matter, Peter Gump. Uh, she asked where he lived. Second to the right, said Peter, and then straight on till morning. Yeah, what a funny address. Peter had a sinking. For the first time, he felt that perhaps it was a, a funny address. No, it isn't, he said. Uh, I mean, Wendy said nicely, remembering that she was a hostess. Is that what they put on the letters? Oh, he wished she had not mentioned letters. No, I, don't, I don't get any letters, he said contemptuously. But your, your mother gets letters. No, I don't have a mother, he said. Not only had he had no mother, but he had not the slightest desire to have one. Oh, he thought of them as overrated persons. Wendy, however, uh, felt at once that she was in the presence of a tragedy. Oh, Peter, no wonder you were crying, she said, then got out of bed and ran to him. I wasn't crying about mothers, he said rather indignantly. I was crying because I can't get my shadow to stick on. Besides, I wasn't crying. Has it come off? Yes. And then Wendy saw the shadow on the floor looking so draggled, and she was frightfully sorry for Peter. Oh, how awful, she said. But she could uh, not help smiling when she saw that he, uh, that he had been trying to stick it on with soap. Uh, how exactly like a boy. What is that supposed to mean? Boys are dumb. I guess just dumb boys. Fortunately, she knew at once what to do. 
It must be sewn on, she said, just a little patronizingly. Uh, what, what is sewn? <laughs> he asked. Oh, you're dreadfully ignorant. No, I'm not. But she was exulting in his ignorance. I shall sew it on for you, my little man, she said, though he was tall as herself. And she got out her housewife oh, and, and sewed the shadow on Peter's foot. I dare say it will hurt a little, she warned him. No, I shan't cry, said Peter, who was already of the opinion that he had never cried in his life. And he clenched his teeth and, uh, and did not cry. And soon his shadow was behaving properly, though still a little creased. Perhaps I should have ironed it, Wendy said thoughtfully, but Peter, boy-like, was indifferent to appearances, and he was now jumping about in the wildest glee. Alas, he had already forgotten that he uh, owed his bliss to Wendy, and he thought that he had attached the shadow himself. Oh, 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 how clever I am, he said. He cowed rapturously. Oh, the cleverness of me! It is humiliating, I have to confess, that this conceit of Peter was one of his most fascinating qualities. To put it with brutal frankness, there never was a cockier boy. Yeah, yeah, but for the moment, Wendy was shocked. You conceit, she exclaimed with frightful sarcasm. Of course I did nothing. Yeah, you did a little, Peter said carelessly and continued to dance. A little, yeah, she replied with hauteur. If I am no use, I can at least withdraw. And she sprang in the most dignified way to the bed and covered her face with the blankets. To introduce her to look up, he pretended to be going away, and then when this failed, he sat on the end of the bed and, and tapped her gently with his foot. Wendy, he said, don't withdraw. I can't help crowing. Wendy, when I'm pleased with myself. Still, she would not look up, though she was listening eagerly. Wendy, he continued, in a voice that no woman has ever yet been able to resist. Wendy, <laughs> one girl is more use than 20 boys. Well, now uh, Wendy was every inch a woman. No, there were not many uh, inches, and she peeped out for the bedclothes. Do you really think so, Peter? Oh, yes, I do. And I think it's perfectly sweet of you, she declared. Now get up again, and she sat with him on the side of the bed. And she also said that she would give him a kiss, mm, yeah, if he liked. <laughs> Peter did not know what she meant, and he held out his hand expectantly. Surely you know what a kiss is, she asked, aghast. I shall know when you give it to me, he replied stiffly. And not to hurt his feeling, he, she gave him a thimble. Now, he said, shall I give you a kiss? And she replied with a slight primness. Yeah, if you please. And she made herself rather cheap by inclining, <laughs> made herself cheap by inclining her face toward him. But he merely dropped an acorn button into her hand, so she slowly returned her face to where it had been before and said nicely that she would wear his kiss on the chain around her neck. It was so lucky that she did put it on that chain, for it was afterwards to save her life. When people in our set are introduced, it is customary for them to ask each other's age, and so Wendy, who always liked to do the correct thing, asked Peter how old he was. It was not really a happy question to ask him. It was like an examination paper that asks grammar when you, want to be, uh, when you want to be asked as kings of England. I don't know, he replied uneasily, but uh, I am quite young. He really knew uh, nothing about it. He had merely suspicions. But when he said it at adventure, Wendy, uh, I ran away the day I was born. Uh, well, Wendy was quite surprised, but uh, interested. And she indicated in the charming drawing room manner by a touch of her own nightgown that he could sit nearer to her. Mm. 
It was uh, because I heard father and mother, he explained in a low voice, talking about what I, what I was to be when I become a man. He was extraordinarily agitated. Now, and I don't ever want to be, uh, be a man, he said with passion. I always want to be a little boy, huh? And have fun. <laughs> and so I ran away to Kensington Gardens and lived a long, long time among the fairies. She gave him a look of the most intense admiration. And he thought it was because he had run away. But it was really because he knew fairies. Wendy had lived in such home life that, that to no fairies struck her as quite delightful. Oh, she poured out questions about them. Uh, to his surprise, they were rather a nuisance to him, getting in his way and so on. And indeed, he sometimes had to give them a hiding. Still, he liked them on the whole. And he told her about the beginning of fairies. Oh, Oh, you see, Wendy, when the first baby laughed for the first time, its laugh broke into a thousand pieces. Oh, and they all went skipping about. And that was the beginning of fairies. Tedious talk this, but being a stay-at-home, she liked it. And so he went on good-naturedly. There ought to be one fairy for every boy and girl. Ought to be? Yeah, isn't there? No. Uh, you see, children know a lot now, and they don't soon believe in fairies. And every time a child says, I don't believe in fairies, there's a fairy somewhere that falls down dead. Really, he thought, uh, they had now talked enough about fairies, and it struck him that Tinkerbell was keeping very quiet. I can't think where she has gone to, he said, rising. And he called Tink by name, when his heart went flutter with sudden uh, thrill. Peter, Ash cried, clutching him. You don't mean to tell me there's a fairy in this room? Oh, she was just here now, he said a little impatiently. Uh, you don't hear her, do you? They both listened. The only sound I hear, said Wendy, is uh, like a little tickle of bells. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Tink. Uh, that's the fairy language, and I think I hear her, too. The sound came from the chest of drawers, and Peter made a merry face. No one could ever look quite so merry as Peter, and the loveliest of gurgles was his laugh. He had his first laugh still. Wendy, he whispered gleefully, I do believe I shut her up in the drawer. So he let poor Tink out of the drawer, and then she flew out the nursery screaming with fury. Oh, he wouldn't say such things. Peter retorted, of course I'm very sorry, and, and you could, I know you were, oh, but how, but how could I know you were in the drawer? I just had a stroke. I couldn't read that sentence. Wendy was not listening to him. Oh, Peter, she cried, if uh, she would only stand still and let me see her. Now, they hardly ever stand still, he said, but for one moment, Wendy saw the romantic figure come to rest on the cuckoo clock. Oh, the lovely, she cried, as though Tink's face was still distorted with passion. Hey, 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 Tink, said Peter amiably, this lady says she wishes you were her fairy. Tinkerbell answered insolently, uh, what did she say, Peter? Ah, uh, he had to translate. Uh, she's not very polite. She says you're uh, a great ugly girl and uh, that she is my fairy. He, uh, he tried to argue with Tink. You know, you can't be my fairy, Tink, because I'm a, I'm a gentleman, and you are a lady. Well, with that, I think we should probably take a moment to reflect on someone else who once wanted something so much in life and wasn't able to have it. That man would be Stephen Dorglas, the founder of Dorglass Incorporated. D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S dot com. Oh, Steve, the cat's getting up in the thing. Get out of there. Get. Stay out of there. Son of a bitch. Stephen Douglas, though, he's got bladder problems. And he liked to think that one night a fairy would come visit him and solve all his bladder problems by waving some kind of magic wand or sort of rubbing fairy dust all over his stomach where his bladder is. And, uh, oh, oh boy, he thought that'd be great. But that kind of thing never happens in real life, so his only option was to go to Azo. It's a men bladder control that uh, has a secret ingredient called Goless. Oh, he was frustrated by waking up in the middle of the night with the urge to go to the bathroom. It was impacting his quality of sleep. Uh, 
Even though he just went, he felt the urge to go again. So he tried the new Azo Men trademark bladder control, the supplement designed to help men maintain healthy bladder control and reduce the occasional urgency. Or it can help you support your normal healthy flow. And it contains clinical strength, go less. Clinical strength, go less which you could only get if a fairy were to apply it. Otherwise, if you try to apply the Go Less by yourself, you would probably die. Men sourced from pumpkin seed extract and comes in a convenient one capsule a day serving. The unique formula is designed specifically for men and has been shown to support urinary, bladder, and prostate health. That means less waking up at night with the urge to go and more restful night's sleep. I love how this whole thing reads like something from, like, the 1890s. Basically, snake oil. Like, your vitality. Oh, we have more go-less than the others. <laughs> it's just so stupid. You may start to notice a difference in as little as four weeks. No two people are alike, so be sure to take one capsule a day and realize full benefits. Support a healthy bladder control with less urgency and more sleep. Uh, it's designed for men. So he tried it, and basically nothing ever happened. That's, uh, he probably would have got a clue about that, because it's just made of seeds, and uh, it's got whatever go-less is, which is probably just MSG, which I only recently found out is just a type of uh, salt. Uh, but uh, So he's, he's just seeds, he was seeds of MSG, and like, ah, I can't wait to stop peeing. Uh, but if he would have read the reviews, he would have saw that there was a one out of five stars by Mona V2. Uh, it says, uh, the title being, he couldn't tell a difference. My boyfriend tried and was hoping it would be effective. Unfortunately, he could not tell much of a difference. With reviews like that, he should have stuck back to just building glass things on people's houses, which is exactly what Door Glass Incorporated does. So he went back to work and, uh, all sorts of things, like commercial storefronts, automatic entrances, windows, patio doors, mirrors, shower doors, installation repair, and they will design and build anything you want. Can they design and build you a glass bladder with a stopper that you can turn off and on yourself so you can be in control of peeing in the middle of the night for the first time in your life? Probably. He'd have to work with a series of doctors at the Mayo Clinic to get that thing installed inside your body, and I'm sure there'd be a process of your body trying to violently reject it, but that doesn't matter because he's got clients like Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma, Sherman Williams, Portillo's, which is a sandwich shop no one cares about, the Salt Cave, which is a place in Minneapolis with uh, Himalayan salt walls with lights behind them, which, if you touch them, they're going to call the Minneapolis police on you. And Applebee's. Well, with that, why don't we go to uh, my master bedroom and uh, we can slip into something more comfortable. But I'll probably take a pee first, like I always do, and I will read to you the latest upcoming romance novels from Penguin Random House Books. Where'd you go? You didn't sneak out before I finished peeing, did you? <laughs> We're having a little bit of fun here. This is a lot of fun. Oh, look at you. You're dressed like some kind of a candy gram person. Got a little hat. Got a funny little outfit. You got a lot of, uh, you got those getaway sticks exposed down there. I see that. That looks nice. Uh, what are we, uh, what kind of book do you throw on my bed? Burp. Oh, it's called The uh, Sweetest Connection by Denise Williams. It's, uh, it's contemporary romance and women's fiction. Want to hear about the sweetest connection? Sure. Two best friends have one week to return a lost love letter. Oh, I get it. Found in a candy store. Oh, that's a nice twist. Uh, to work up the courage to confess to the deep feelings between them. In this romance novella from the acclaimed author of How to Fail at Flirting, 
Tegan's job in an airport candy store pays the bills, but she dreams of traveling the world. I feel like I've read this before. With one week until she boards a plane for an international adventure, she finds an abandoned love letter uh, in the store and talks her BFF into helping her figure out who it belongs to. Silas loves problems. Nope. He solves problems. I read that wrong. Ah, well, let's keep moving. Uh, for a living as an airline customer, I've read this before. Representative, one problem is he can't solve how to, uh, how to reveal a big secret to his best friend that would risk changing their entire relationship. Oh, oh, when she proposes they work together to get the love letter back to its owner, he jumps at the chance. Tegan eh, and Silas stumble on romantic clues, old stories, and more than a few dead ends along the way while they try to play Cupid, all of which bring them closer together with only a few days before Tegan's transatlantic move. The two of them must decide if the swift temptation of falling for their best friend is worth the potential heartbreak, or if either can stand to keep their feelings wrapped up. Well, that's a book I swear to God I've read before, but apparently, oh, it's coming out as an e-book. They're just re-releasing it as an e-book. I've read this damn thing before. Well, it's coming out as an e-book, July 19th. Took like a year. I don't know what they're holding off. What are you, J.K. Rowling? Uh, that's coming out July 19th, 2022 at Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Google Play Store, and Kobo. <laughs> so with that, uh, with that letdown, uh, why don't we just uh, go back down to the library? I mean, it's nice. You wore a sexy suit, but I'm just depressed I read the same damn thing I read probably a year ago, and uh, I don't want to look at you anymore. Well, here we are, back in the library, getting settled in to continue reading, and... And you're still wearing the suit. I like your getaway sticks, but I feel nothing. I'm dead inside. To this, Tink replied in these words. You silly ass! <laughs> Disappeared into the bathroom. She is quite a common fairy, Peter explained apologetically. She is called Tinker Bell because she mends the pots and kettles. They were together in the armchair by this time, and Wendy plied him with more questions. If you don't live in Kensington Gardens now, well, sometimes I do still. Where do you live mostly now? With the Lost Boys. Who are they? Nah, they're children who fall out of their preambulators when the nurse is looking the other way, and if they are not claimed in seven days, they are sent far away to Neverland to defray expenses. I'm Captain. Oh, what fun it must be. Yes, said cunning Peter. But we are rather lonely, and you see we have no female companionship. Uh, none of the others, girls? Oh, no. Girls, you know, are much too clever to fall out of their prams. Uh, this flattered Wendy immensely, did it? I think, she said, it is perfectly lovely the way you talk about girls. Is it? John there just despises us. For reply, Peter rose and kicked John out of bed, blankets and all. One kick. This seemed to Wendy rather forward for the first meeting, but she told him with spirit that he was not captain in her house. However, John continued to sleep so placidly on the floor that she allowed him to remain there. And I know you meant to be kind, she said, relenting, so you may give me a kiss. For the moment she had uh, forgotten his ignorance about kisses. Oh, I thought you'd want it back he said a little bitterly, and uh, offered to return her the thimble. Oh, dear, said the nice Wendy. I don't mean a, a kiss, I mean a, a thimble. Uh, what's, what's that? Uh, it's like this. And she kissed him. Ah, uh, funny, said Peter. Why has he got kids making out in this story? I'm not understanding this. 
I don't like it, said Peter gravely. Oh, now shall I give you a thimble? Uh, if you wish to, said Wendy, keeping her head erect this time. Peter thimbled her. Oh, God. And almost immediately she screeched. God damn it. What is it, Wendy? It's exactly as if someone were pulling my hair. Oh, that must have been Tink. Uh... I never knew her to be so naughty before. And indeed, Tink was darting about again, using offensive language. Uh, she said, it's really like the little Tinkerbell swears all the time? That's not something I ever picked up from what little I gleamed from the Disney movies. She says she, she will do the, that to you, Wendy, every time I give you a thimble. But why? Yeah, why, Tink? Tink again replied, you silly ass. <laughs> Peter could not understand why. But Wendy understood, and she was just slightly disappointed when he admitted uh, that he came to the nursery window not to see her, but to listen to stories. You see, uh, I don't know any stories. None of the Lost Boys know any stories. Oh, how perfectly awful, Wendy said. Uh, do you know, Peter asked, why swallows build in the eaves of houses? It is to listen to stories. Oh, oh, oh Wendy, your mother was telling such a lovely story. Uh, what story was it? Uh, but the prince couldn't find the lady who wore the glass slipper. Oh, Peter, said Wendy excitedly. That was Cinderella. And he faced her, and they lived happily ever after. Peter was so glad that he rose from the floor while they had been sitting and hurried to the window. Hey, where, where are you going? She cried with misgiving. Tell the other boys about a fairy tale ending. Don't go, Peter, she entreated. I know lots of stories. But these were her precise words, so there could be no denying it that it was she who first tempted him. Oh, he came back. There was a greedy look in his eyes now that he ought to have alarmed her, but it did not. Oh, oh, the stories I could tell to the boys, she cried, and then Peter gripped her and began to draw her towards the window. I let, uh, let me go, she ordered him. Wendy, do come with me and tell the other boys. Well, of course, she was very pleased to be asked, and she said, oh, dear, I can't think of, think of mommy, besides can't fly. Well, I'll teach you. Oh, how lovely to fly, and I'll teach you how to jump on the wind's back, and then away we go. Ooh, uh, she exclaimed rapturously. Wendy, Wendy, when you're sleeping in your silly bed, you might be flying about with me, funny, uh, saying funny things to the stars. Ooh, that's two O's to the exclamation point. Wendy, Wendy, there are mermaids. Mermaids with tails? Oh, such long tails. Oh, cried Wendy, to see a mermaid. He had become frightfully cunning. Wendy, he said, you should all, uh, how we should all respect you. She was wriggling her body in distress. I don't like the way this book's written. It was quite as if uh, she were trying to re remain on the nursery floor. But he had uh, no pity for her. Wendy, he said, the sly one, you could tuck us in at night. Ooh, that's two O's an exclamation point. None of us has ever been tucked in at night. Oh, her arms went out to him. And you could darn our clothes and make pockets for us. None of us has any pockets. Oh, how could she resist? Of course, it's awfully fascinating. She cried, Peter, uh, would you teach John and Michael to fly too? Uh, if you like, he said indifferently, and then ran to John and Michael and shook him. Wake up, he cried. Peter Pan has come and he's to teach us to fly. John rubbed his eyes. Uh, then I shall get up, he said. And of course, he was on the floor already. Hello, he said. I am up. Michael was up by this time also, looking as sharp as a knife with six blades and a saw. All right, whatever. But Peter suddenly signed, uh, signed silence. Signed? It's supposed to be sigh. Whatever. Their faces assumed the awful craftiness of children listening for sounds from the grown-up world. All was still as salt. Never heard that phrase before. Then everything was right. No, stop. Everything was wrong. Nana, who had been barking distressfully all evening, was quiet now. It was her silence that they heard. 
Out with the light. Hide quick, cried John, taking command of the only time throughout the entire venture. And thus, when Liza entered, holding Nana, the nursery seemed quite its old self. Very dark, and you could have sworn you heard its three wicked inmates breathing angelically as they slept. Oh, they were really doing it artfully from behind the window curtains. Liza, Liza was in a bad temper. First she was mixing the Christmas puddings in the kitchen and had been drawn from them with a raisin still on her cheek. What? By Nana's absurd suspicions, she thought the uh, best way of getting a little quiet was to take Nana to the nursery for a moment, but in custody, of course. There, you suspicious brute, she said, not sorry that Nana was in disgrace. They are perfectly safe, aren't they? Every one of the little angels is sound asleep in bed. Listen to their gentle breathing. Here, Michael, encouraged by his success, breathed so loudly that they were nearly detected. Nana knew that kind of breathing. He tried to drag herself out of Liza's clutches. Oh, oh, but Liza was dense. No more of it. Nana, she said sternly, pulling it out of the room. And I warn you, if you bark again, I shall go straight for Master and Mrs. and bring him home for the party. Oh, oh, and then Master will whip you. She tied the unhappy dog up again, but do you think Nana ceased to bark? Bring Master and Mrs. home from the party. Why, that was just what she wanted. Do you think she cared whether she was whipped as long as her charges were safe? Unfortunately, Liza returned to her puddings, and Nana, seeing that no help would come for her, strained and strained at the chain until at last she broke it. In another moment, uh, she, this is like a superhuman, a super strength dog that has the mind of a man. In another moment, she had burst in the dining room of 27 and flung up her paws to heaven, her most expressive way of making a communication. Mr. and Mrs. Darling knew at once that something terrible was happening in the nursery, and without a goodbye to their hostess, they rushed into the street. But it was now ten minutes since three scoundrels had been breathing behind the curtains, and Peter Pan could do a great deal in ten minutes. We now return to the nursery says the author of this book. <clears throat> it's all right, John announced, emerging from his hiding place. I say, Peter, can you, can you really fly? Instead of troubling to answer him, Peter flew around the room, huh? Yeah, and taking the mantelpiece out of the way. Oh, how topping, said John and Michael. Mm, how sweet, cried Wendy. Yes, I'm sweet. Oh, I am sweet, said what is going on, said Peter, forgetting his manners again. It looked delightfully easy, and they tried it from the first floor and then down from their beds, and they always went down instead of up. I say, how do you do it, asked John, rubbing his knee. He's quite a practical boy. Well, I just think lovely, uh, wonderful thoughts, Peter explained, and then they lift you up in the air. He showed them again. Oh, he's so nippy at it. What does that mean? John said. Uh, couldn't you just uh, do it very slowly once? Yeah, Peter did it both slowly and quickly. Oh, I got it now, Wendy, cried John, but as soon as he found that he had not. Not one of them could fly an inch. Though even Michael was in the words of two syllables, and Peter did not know A from Z. Uh, of course, Peter had been trifling with them, for no one can fly unless the fairy dust has been blown on him. Nah. Fortunately, as we had mentioned, one of his few hands was messy with it, so he blew some on each of them, and the most, oh, that's right, fairy piss. If they put the fairy piss on the kids, then they can fly, with the most superb results. Now just wail your shoulders this way, he said, and let go. They were all on their beds and gallant. Michael let go first. He did not quite uh, mean to let go, but he did it, and immediately he was borne across the room. I flewed, he screamed while still in midair. John let go and met Wendy near the bathroom. Oh, lovely. No ripping. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And they were not nearly so elegant as Peter, who could not help kicking a little, but their heads were bobbing against the ceiling, and there were almost nothing so delicious as that. Uh, Peter gave Wendy a hand at first, but he had to desist. Tink! 
was so indignant. Up and down they went, and round and round. Heavenly was Wendy's word. I say, cried John, why shouldn't we all go out? And of course it was to this that Peter had been luring him. Michael was ready. He wanted to see how long it took him to do a billion miles. But Wendy hesitated. Mermaids, eh, said Peter again. Oh, that's two O's an exclamation point. Oh, and there are pirates. Pirates, cried John, seizing his Sunday hat. Oh, let's, let's go at once. It was just at this moment that Mr. and Mrs. Darling hurried with Nana out of 27. They ran to the middle of the street to look up the nursery window, and yes, it was still shut, but the room was ablaze with light, the most heart-gripping sight of all, and they could see in the shadow on the curtain three little figures in the night attire circling round and round, not on floor, but in the air, but not three figures, but four. In a tremble, they opened the street door. Mr. Darling would have rushed upstairs, but Mrs. Darling signed him to go softly. She even tried to make her heart go softly. Will they reach the nursery in time? If so, how delightful for them. But we shall breathe again, a sigh of relief. But there will be no story. On the other hand, if they are not in time, I solemnly promise that it will become uh, all come right in the end. This is so weird when the author just stops and, like, talks to you. I get it. It was once a play. But then they wrote it into a book. And in the book, even the author has to keep stepping out. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be fun if they uh, went back home safe? No, it wouldn't be fun. It'd be better if they escaped. But I promise everything would be fun. It's just weird. Well, they have reached the nursery in time and not been for the little stars that were watching them. Once again, the stars blew the window open. And that smallest star of all called out, Cave, Peter! And then Peter knew that there was not a moment to lose. Come, he cried imperiously, and soared out at once into the night, followed by John and Michael and Wendy. Mr. and Mrs. Darling and Nana eh, rushed into the nursery too late. The birds were flown. <sighs> All these chapters are short, but things still seem to move at a snail's pace, and at the same time, hysterically doesn't make any sense. I don't know what to think of this book so far. Why don't we uh, go down to the smoking room and try to review what the hell we just read? Well, uh, here we are in the smoking room. Oh, look at you, just smoking a cigar, wearing your candy uh, airport delivery outfit. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I gotta find new... Oh, I forgot about the birds. I gotta find new bits. My bits are getting old, and I'm getting tired of saying them. Well, uh, recap this story. Wendy's sleeping. Pan comes in, wants his shadow back, tries to uh, use, what, soap? to put it on. She makes fun of him. He gets mad at her, and then uh, then he overcompliments her in a way that seems kind of insulting, and then, uh, but she falls for it because she's never really spent time around other people to learn how society works and how... Uh, and, and then in the end, she starts wanting to get a kiss from him. Kind of gets a little flirty, which is kind of a weird angle for children. I don't know why that was written in the story. Uh, and then that's kind of it. They teach him how to fly because he's got some fairy piss in his hands. Blows it on him, which has got to be disgusting. Oh, I love that the Tinkerbell just keeps calling everyone an ass all the time. Thought that's hilarious. That was a weird little twist. Uh, but beyond that, uh, that's kind of it. Uh, they fly out the window. The parents, of course, are upset. And then the author stops to tell you, don't worry. I promise everything will be fine. Which is weird. Uh, what's good? Uh, the story's moving forward, so, uh, and I like that Tinkerbell's kind of an asshole. Uh, what sucks? Why? Explain the dog. 
uh, what do we learn? Nothing has to make sense. You can do whatever the hell you want and probably still make money doing it. I don't know why I'm doing this. I should just be making up gobbledygook. Songs that have no real lyrics. I don't know. I could do anything I want, apparently. And maybe if I could go back in time to 1901, then I could do whatever the hell I want and people just buy it. Well, with that, I'm going to go upstairs and finally eat dinner. Uh, thanks for listening, and I will see you next week. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most, where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, uh, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a house nuzzle. So you got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's got to be one left.